Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Fantastic. Good. It's so good to be with you. So good to see you. Um, By the way, if you don't know, we are in our current series. This is the third installment of our series called Running in Circles. And I I don't know if you've heard, how many of you have heard this phrase used before? Running in circles, right? Often, often, that's right, many of you have heard this. We use this phrase to describe people who are in pandemonium, who are in the midst of chaos, and who live in messes. You've met these people. Often when I hear this phrase, I think of people that, you know, you've watched them. They've walked through the door and they're carrying the briefcase or their purse and there's papers falling all over the place and their hair is a mess and they look like they've come through a wind tunnel. And you're like, thank God I don't look like them, right? You've been there before. Um, And we would say this, that often when when you think about people who run in circles, very rarely do we consider them to be rational, right? Sane and healthy. Like very rarely do we consider those kind of people, people that we would look up to. But, but at Juliet First, I like to say this, that we are trendsetters. <laughs> so we are kind of breaking the mold and we, we really think that running in circles is a good thing. We think running in circles is a healthy thing. In fact, we said this a couple weeks ago. What we've learned over time is that if you don't run in circles, there's a good chance you'll be running in circles. That's right. If you're not part of a community group, if you don't find yourself part of a small group, there's a good chance that you will be spiritually unhealthy, and there's a good chance that you will run in circles. In fact, we've kind of used this as our mantra over the last three weeks, and we'll continue to use it for one more, but we've been saying this, that running in circles is life essential. That running in circles is life essential. And we have watched circles literally change lives. We've watched marriages be strengthened. We've watched character be developed. And most of all, we've watched people grow in their spiritual journey with God. And here's the truth. I, I don't know if you know this, and we're going to be revealing this later on in the fall, but, but we have been working on a new mission statement, and we're working toward it, but, but we believe right now that it's our goal to lead people toward a forward-moving relationship with Jesus Christ. That life is better when we are better followers and forward-moving followers of Christ. And so if you've missed the last couple weeks, um, you know, it's, it's been a good series. The first week we discovered that our connection to Christ is only as deep as our connection to others in Christ. That was the first week, that running in circles creates connection, and that our connection to Christ is only as deep as our connection to others in Christ. And so last week, Pastor Jeannie came up here, and she talked with us, and she did a great job, and she taught us about this idea that so often we try to keep up appearances rather than sharing experiences. And we learn that when we begin to share our experiences with people, when we're in circles, there is a credibility that's created. Come on, somebody has shared a story with you that you've connected with, and when they shared that with you, there was an immediate connection. There was a depth there. There was something special about what you guys had going on, simply because somebody shared their life with you. 
And so we truly believe that when you become authentic, when you become real, there's a credibility that's gained and also an immediate connection. And so today, um, if you check out on me at the very beginning, which I know can happen from time to time, we're just going to give you the main idea up front, which is this, that running in circles, running in circles is the optimum setting for spiritual growth. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, is that running in circles is the optimum setting for spiritual growth. And so this morning, I want to start with this question that I asked our earlier service, and, and they were pretty respon- uh, responsive. But I want to ask you, how many of you, how many of you, uh, there was a moment in your life where you knew you should have said something, but you remained silent? Right? Raise your hand if you've been there, right? There was a moment in your life where you know that you should have like, said something, you should have spoke up, you should have done something about it, but instead, you remained silent. Silent. I remember um, I told our earlier service, I love this, when we first moved to Chicago, my in-laws, who I love dearly, bought us a Brook, uh, was it Brookfield Zoo pass for the entire year. It was the all-inclusive, which really is exclusive because not everybody gets to do that. And it was so much fun. So we got to do everything for virtually free. Well, it was on their dime. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. And I remember one day we went to go see the Dolphin Show. How many of you seen the Dolphin Show at Brookfield Zoo? Come on. If you have not, at least just make one trip to go see it. It's a lot of fun. Sit in the front row. You won't get wet at all. Um, but I remember, like, even though we had this all-exclusive pass, uh, we still we still had to get tickets. They, were, they require a ticket. You have to stand in line. They give you a ticket. You show them your, your pass. They give you a ticket, and you walk in. And I remember I'm standing there talking to my father-in-law, and this, this lady out of nowhere just cuts in front of me. Like, she just butts right in front of me. And there was a big line. I'm looking around like, wait a minute. Why is it that she had to cut in front of of me out of all people? And I don't know about you, but I love sarcasm. I think sarcasm is a great way to talk. No, it's really not at all. But um, I wanted to, in that moment, say something sarcastic to her. I was really upset. I was really angry. And in that moment, I was kind of speechless because it was like, when is the last time somebody cut in line? I mean, like middle school. I mean, this is stuff we learned when we were in first grade. Don't butt in front of other people. Apparently, this lady had no clue, and she just did whatever she was going to do. But in that moment, I'm sitting here, and it's like... it's on the tip of my tongue and I just can't get it out. I can't say anything to her. And so I just let it go and I was just rendered silent in that moment. And my guess is each of you have moments in your life where you have been silent. Maybe, um, come on, you've had this experience where a rumor was spread about you and you just thought, uh, if I begin to fight this, if I begin to work against this, if I begin to talk against this, there is a good chance that it'll look like this rumor is true. And so what do you do? You just ignore it and you just remain silent and you don't say anything about it. Some of you, how many of you work, you've been in a work environment where you have watched another employee uh, be mistreated by a supervisor. Somebody's, you've watched somebody be mistreated by a supervisor and you know that that supervisor holds the power to fire you. And so instead of saying something, instead of standing up to the supervisor, you just stayed silent. Where, where my stu- students, you, you guys take tests often, and, and maybe you have had a friend that has decided they were going to cheat on the test, and you witnessed them cheating on the test, and you were stuck in this predicament where it was like, do I tell on them? Do I not tell on them? Do I risk my friendship for this? And so you were like, I don't know. Like, this is tough. Do I tell the teacher? And instead, you're like, I think my friendship is more worth it. And so you just didn't say anything at all. Maybe you've had a public situation. Anybody, anybody have this? You've seen something in public where you thought you should have said something. Maybe 
Maybe you've uh, had this experience where um, a homeless person has asked you for money and you wanted to do good and you wanted to help and maybe you had money on you but you're like, I'm not sure that giving them this cash is the best thing to do. Or maybe if you're like me, you don't carry cash and so the question is like, do I just take them like to the restaurant to get something? Um, I mean, what do I do? And in that moment, when you should have said yes, when you should have said something, you said nothing at all. And and let's be honest, uh, this is so true. This is so true for you and for me when it comes to our faith journey, whether you know it or not. That so often in our lives, we like to be silent about what's going on. Nobody likes to walk in and say, I am a broken, jacked up mess. By the way, I've got mental issues. My marriage is broken. I mean, I've got this problem. Nobody walks into church on Sunday. Nobody wants to walk into their work environment and let people know how messed up they are, right? Is there anybody out there that wants to do? I don't think so. But so often in our spiritual journey, this is how we deal with things. Instead of actually talking about them, instead of speaking out about them, we remain silent. And this is a deep spiritual issue that I think has the capacity to break the human soul. And so today I want to look at a story that many of you know, many of you have heard. We're going to, we're going to start out with the, the intro to the story, and then we're going to get to a great song that this man wrote. Many of you know this guy. His name's David. Anybody heard of David? If you're not familiar with church and never been in church, uh, if you've heard of David and Goliath, then you know the guy that we're talking about. But many of you know David uh, fought this big Philistine guy, and, and he became really famous, and he was put into power. And I know, I know we don't understand this today, but whenever there's power and money, Money and possessions, there's always a chance for corruption. Totally, I know we don't get that today. Uh, that was just like an ancient thing. But, you know, whenever there's power, money, uh, there's always a chance for corruption. And, and David, who was given a position for good to rule over Israel, to lead them t- towards the path of God, uh, finds himself abusing the power he was given for his own selfishness. And so you know the story, one night he walks out onto his roof and he looks down and there's this very pretty woman who just so happened to be taking a bath. And so he thought to himself, uh, I would really like to, um, you know, have her come up to my room. We'll have a good conversation. And turns out, I didn't know, but having conversations can actually lead to pregnancy. Uh, So in the story, this woman gets pregnant because they were just talking about things and... um, she ends up getting pregnant, and even worse, if you don't know this story, it's like days of our lives. It's like a big soap opera. It gets worse. It turns out, it turns out this lady is married to somebody else. Yeah, she's married. That's really a, you know, there's a wrench of the plans there. This lady's married. She's pregnant. Um, By the way, this guy's off fighting a war for David. They were in the middle of a war at the time. This guy's off fighting a war. So David devises a plan. He says, We've got to get this straight. People can't know that this kid is mine. And so uh, he decides to set everything up. It was really great. He had all the money, all the power, so he could do what he wanted. And, and so he, he got these flowers sent to her house, and he had these candles lit. And um, they put spices all over the bed. I don't know if people smell really bad back then. And so they put spices all over the bed to make the experience really good. And um, so they've got this whole thing set up, and... Uh, David's thinking it's going to go well. And this guy is so, I mean, he's just a man's man. Instead of coming back and being with his wife, he's like, my comrades that are out on the front line, I'm just going to sit out at the front gate. 
And David's like, oh my goodness, seriously, could this get any worse? And it turns out, it turns out the guy doesn't go back and, 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 and people are going to find out that this is somebody's kid. And, you know, there are, David's like, I don't want people to know that it's mine. And so what he does is he decides that he will send this young man back out to the front lines. And you know the story, um, he has him killed by his own people. Now, I don't know if you know this, it's kind of funny, uh, but this is a man after God's own heart. Now, I know many of us would never refer to ourselves as people after God's own heart. And I don't know, last time I checked, maybe you weren't having an affair and then killing somebody else's husband or wife because um, there's a good chance you'd be in jail. Uh, but David was described as a man after God's own heart. And it, it turns out that after this experience, somebody decided that they weren't going to be silent about the issue. They were going to speak up about what was going on. And so they got in David's face, and David suddenly became guilty about what was going on. He started to feel this pressure. He started to feel this weight of what he had done. And so now that I know that you know that story... He writes this amazing letter, poem, song, whatever you want to call it, out of this experience. And the reason he writes it to you and the reason he writes it to me is because he knows inevitably in our life we are going to deal with this particular issue he addresses. And we often do what David did. And so he writes this as a way of saying, don't do what I did, but it's important. He wants us to understand something. So here's what he says. After this experience, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I like that. And he continues, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, now David starts it out because he wants us to know, he wants us to know this, that there is a such thing as a good life. There's a such thing as a happy life. There is a such thing as a blessed life that we can actually live into if we do the right things. But it doesn't take David long to get to the point of saying, often, often we don't do that. And he addresses the issue that so many of us struggle with, but so many of us stay silent about. And the issue is, Sin. Nobody likes to say that. Come on, just say it with me. I know you want to. Come on, just say it with me. Sin. Yeah, come on. Sin, right? And my guess is, my guess is if you've been in the church anytime, somebody has talked to you about this issue, and when they talk to you about it, how often has that been a fun conversation? Right? It's just, just it, it's uplifting. It's exciting. So often, I think when we talk about sin, we talk about how bad it is. Now, don't hear me. I'm not saying that it's not bad. I'm just saying that we have to take a different approach to this idea. Because we are told in the church that you're sinful, that you're bad, and you need to be sorry, you need to be sorry, you need to be sorry, you need to be sorry. And as you know, I always say, that just makes a bunch of sorry Christians. <laughs> we just walk around and we're just a bunch of sorry Christians. And, and so I like to take a different approach when it comes to this issue. That, that sin, a sin is actually just doing something other than what you were designed to do. do. Do you see the spin on it? Like instead of me telling how bad you are, there's this opportunity for me to say you were created for a specific purpose, purpose and a specific reason. You were designed for something and sin is simply doing something other than what you were designed to do. And, and when you hear this, there's this sense of I'm missing out. 
Like, I'm missing out on whatever it is that God has created me for when I do whatever I want to do. And that's exactly what David says. If you look at the original language, it literally means missing the mark or missing out. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place where you've missed out? Come on, you can remember back to junior high uh, when uh, you were hoping there was a dance coming up, like the Sadie Hawkins dance. I always love that because the girls ask the guys. Anybody have? Okay, maybe just where I came from. Um, but I loved it because the girls would ask you. And so you, maybe you had this guy or this girl that you wanted them to ask you to the dance and you were really excited. And when at night when you'd lay down your head on the pillow, you'd have dreams about slow dancing with them and holding hands with them and... I mean, it was just really, you know, you were hoping that at the end of the night, you'd maybe get, can I say it in here, a kiss? Yeah, like you were hoping, let's just be honest, you were hoping you'd get a kiss. And it turns out that um, as the dance was approaching, not only did that person, that guy or that girl not ask you, but they asked your best friend. (laughs) Now, who's going to go to a dance and watch your best friend dance with the person that you have a crush on. If you do, there's something wrong with you. Like, nobody does that, right? So you just decide, instead of going to watch this, I'm going to stay home. And then you remember, you got together with your friends, or your friend who went on a date with the person you were hoping to have a date with came back, and they were saying, we had such a good time. I mean, we slow danced together, and we did all this. And you're like, and, and, and in that, you had this sense that you missed out on something amazing. Right? And you remember what your friends telling you about how close they got when they were dancing together? There was this weight or this sinking feeling in your life like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It was crushing your soul, right? We do this when we're adults, right? There are people that we want to hang out with. There are people that we want to be around with. Or there's really fun events that are going on, and you hear people talking about those. And it's like, I'd like to be part of this, but they don't ask you. And then you remember like when they come back and they're talking about the thing that they went to and how much fun it was. You remember the feeling of like, man, I missed out. And David writes at the very beginning to say, listen, God has given you a blessed, a blessed, a happy and exciting, a beautiful, a designed, created, purposeful life. And when we do something other than what we are designed to do, we this out. And David says, I know this from my own experience. And, and so he begins to address this issue of what sin will do in our lives when we do something other than what we were designed to do. He talks about his own experience with this. And he says, I don't want you to do what I did. So he says, When I kept silent, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He says, for day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. I love how David starts it. He says, don't do this. In my, what? Silence. Y'all are pretty good at this. In my silence. In my silence, he says. Turn to your partner. Everybody turn to your partner and say, in my silence. 
Come on, you can do it now. In my silence. He says, my bones wasted away. It was like my strength was taken out of me like the heat of the summer. And then listen to what he says. Do you remember this, this experience? He says, there was a weight. There was a heavy hand. There was a weight on my life that was crushing my soul because I didn't speak up. And, and this is just a thought. This is just my thought, and we can disagree on this. But I truly believe that sin has no power over you. It's actually silence of that sin that has power over you. Yeah, like sin does not have power over you, but the moment we stay silent about that sin, you are manipulated, you are controlled, and you know this from personal experience. There is a weight that accompanies this silence. Come on, you remember when you, you said something about somebody that you shouldn't have or you cheated on this area of your life or uh, you, um, you know, lied about your age or your weight or whatever it was, something bad. And uh, uh, you remember what it was like. You're like, I can't tell anybody that I did this. I can't tell my boss. I can't tell my wife. I can't tell people that I did this when they weren't looking. I experienced this. I know it's hard to believe, um, but I make mistakes in my marriage. I know, I know it's hard to believe that. Uh, but, that was sarcasm for those of you that don't know that. Um, but there, in my own marriage, there are times when I really mess up. I really, really, really screw up. And I know, and I know from experience, you know, that, hey, I probably should say something. But you've done this, right? I've done this, you've done this, we've all been here, whether it's relationships or something that we did wrong. Instead, instead, I will walk around because I'm too stubborn and I'm too hard-nosed to speak up and to say something, so I just stay silent. And you remember what it's like when you walked around in that relationship and you didn't say something when you know you should have said something and you just stayed silent about it. There was this crushing weight of the soul. And here's what I want you to know about your silence. Your silence is actually about your own selfishness. Yeah, I know, I know it doesn't seem like that, but your silence about the things that you have done wrong is actually a selfish way of dealing with the problems in your life. In fact, I like to say this, that it's actually a rejection of God's grace. That whenever you decide that you're not going to speak up and you're not going to talk about it and you're not even going to address the issue, that you are, in your own selfishness, refusing God's grace in your life. See, the problem is not that God doesn't want to forgive you. The problem is just simply you. We are always the problem because we don't want to say anything. And so whenever we remain silent, there is a rejection of God's grace. And I don't know if you know this, but it is sin's goal to keep you silent. And David said, it took me a long time to get here, and it took me a long time to understand this, and so I'm trying to tell you, don't do what I did in that moment and stay silent, but do what I learned after a long period of time. Do what I'm about to tell you to do. And here's what he says. He says, then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. He says, I will, what's the word? Confess. confess. I will confess. 
I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then watch what happens. And God, and God, and you, Lord, forgave me the guilt of my sin. In other words, the weight that was upon me was no longer upon me because you, God, forgave my sin. Now, there is a major transition in David's life. There is a transition of selfishness, of I'm going to deal with this in my way, or rejection of God's grace, to now I'm going to confess and allow God's grace to work in my life. There's a reliance on God's grace, where David moves from rejection of God's grace to a reliance upon his grace, all because he, what? Confessed. And see, I know it's hard, and I know it's a struggle for us, and I know we don't like talking about our personal issues with other people because we, we really do like keeping appearances. But, but I truly believe this, that the moment we confess, sin becomes powerless. That the moment we confess, sin becomes powerless. I know in my own marriage, it is amazing what will happen when you just say, I'm sorry. I mean, you walk around all week with this guilt. You walk around all week with this weight. You, you know that you're supposed to speak up and say something, but you don't because you're, you're selfish. You know, you're just stubborn and you don't want to do it. But the moment I walk in and I say, hey, love, um, I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. It is like, this veil is lifted. It is like there is a sense of freedom. And I truly believe that confessing is the key to your freedom, to my freedom, to our freedom as a community. So, if you've not heard anything today, um, here's what I want you to know. Speaking up, not silence saves lives. Speaking up, not silence saves lives. Say it with me now. Speaking up, not silence saves lives. One more time, come on. Speaking up, not silence saves lives. That's right. I remember when I was in a small group, I was kind of new to the small group thing, but I was also becoming a little more responsible in life because I was a pa pastor now. <laughs> Apparently, a title makes you more responsible. Totally not. Uh, but I remember sitting in this small group with this, with this gentleman, and the ladies went off to have their prayer time. And I remember um, the guys were, you know, they went off and they were discussing men and their problems and their husband issues and how bad of people we are. The guys, you know, we're talking about football and what we're going to eat and, you know, important things in life. And I remember one of the guys left to go to the bathroom and the other guy's sitting there across from me and, and he's looking at me like he wants to say something. And, um, man, like you, you've been in these situations where you know somebody's going to say something that's uncomfortable and so you're just not looking at them like, you know, you don't want it to come. And, and he looks at me and he says, hey, man, and we've only been together a couple times. He said, hey, um, I'm just going to say it. He said, but I'm, I'm struggling with, and my wife doesn't even know what he said. I'm struggling with, with 
watching things that I shouldn't. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he said, I'm struggling with pornography. And he looks at me, he's like, do you struggle with that? And I'm like, no, I, I don't, because um, I got the real thing, but, and I don't, I don't need that. Um, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, I, I struggle with other things. And he said, dude, I just feel like I can't get over it. I'm, I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm trying, and it's, nothing's working. And you know what was crazy? is the moment that he said to me, I don't think he'd said a word to anybody, not even his own wife. The moment he said, this is my struggle, there was freedom for him. There was freedom in just acknowledging, 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 acknowledging that he was in the wrong. And you know what that did is it created an avenue. It created an opportunity when every week when I'd see him, I'd say, how's that working out for you? How's that going, you know? And some weeks he'd say, it's going really well. This week, not so good, you know? But there was honesty about what was going on in his life. Eventually he told his wife, you know? And I think there's freedom in that. And so I would say this to you. What do I want you to do? I want you to speak up. I want you to speak up, but I want you to do it in a group. So I need you to get in a group. Some of you have not signed up yet. Some of you are waiting. I know you're waiting. You're just holding out because you're cool like that. Um, Some of you just aren't signing up. But hey, at the end of the day, there are plenty of you that have signed up. And I would say this to you. Get in a group. And the reason why you need to get in a group is because you need this avenue. Like we've we've been saying this, that running in circles is the optimum setting for spiritual growth. Running in circles is the optimum setting for spiritual growth. If you want to grow in your life, if you want to grow, then you have to have an avenue where you can be honest about who you are and what you're struggling with. Because as long as you do it alone, you, you will always be silent and you will suffer the weight. And you know what happens? You miss out. You miss out on God's purpose for your life. You miss out on the plans that God has for you, the dreams that he has for you. You miss out because you wanna do what you want to do and you wanna stay silent. And so I would say to you, give your, this is good for you. This is good for me. This is a place for us to be healthy. So get in a group and break the power that is holding you down. So I want to say this. Some of you that have been in the church for a while, you know this, you know the drill, um, but you kind of also don't know the drill because we can be in church for a long time and not be moving forward in our faith. And so I would say that you need to do this in some sense because you need to keep moving forward. If you're not moving forward, you're obviously not moving, which isn't good. But there are some of you here who like, you don't even know what we're talking about. You're not even in small groups. You're like, I'm not really sure. But I do know this, that you're struggling with something in your life. You're struggling with something in your life that you need freedom from. And I would just say this to each of you. Do not rely on your own selfishness. Do not reject God's grace, but rely upon His love for you. He wants to forgive you. He welcomes you. He's not afraid of anything that you're about to tell him. Yeah, that's the truth. And I know this, if God can forgive me, he can definitely forgive you. If God can forgive a guy 
who has an affair and then murders a husband, he could definitely forgive you. So rely upon his grace. You know what? I know it's a bit different day today. Um, we wanted to put the message up front and to the stand and we're gonna continue to worship this morning.